This is Health Call Live. We're glad you're listening, but don't be afraid to call and ask your question on the air. It's free, non-invasive, and best of all, you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. So this week, looking through all the medical journals that I pay attention to, found some interesting stories, and I want to share a few of them with you. One of them involves something that may be in your kitchen, and that is your gas stove. There is a move underway to get all of us to stop installing gas appliances. When you build a new home, uh, most people these days are going to be urged to use electricity instead of natural gas appliances. And the journal Journal of Environmental Science and Technology is taking a look at where there are some risks associated with gas appliances that, well, we just maybe were never aware of. They say that unburnt natural gas that tends to leak in your home um, at very small amounts, actually. Uh, you know, there's that smell that they, they put a chemical in natural gas, so it has that distinctive odor. But at very low concentrations, it can still be present, and you don't notice it. And the issue here is natural gas also brings into your home something called benzene. It's a very carcinogenic uh, chemical that causes cancer in many different ways. But it also, they're saying that um, xylene, toluene, a lot of other hazardous chemicals the FDA is worried about are available as natural gas leaks into your home and also as you burn natural gas. These are available in the air in trace amounts. So, is this anything to worry about? I can't imagine that the, the exposure is going to be all that great. They're doing studies to learn more about it. They tested some homes in the Boston area, unburnt natural gas samples from 69 stoves and pipelines, and they were showing lots of toxic chemical exposure. So, there may be, you know, as we're all you know, being urged to be more green and methane and all of that stuff with uh, global warming, there may be another concern that you're going to be hearing about. And this study could be the first of a trend to try and push us all away from natural gas appliances to more electric appliances. Just wanted to share that with you, let you know that that change may be coming. Another big change that could be coming is a change in the way we think about the flu virus and the flu vaccine. The National Institutes of Health are starting phase one human trials now on a vaccine that would cover all forms of the flu. Because each year, you know, they, they come out with a new different flu vaccine, and it may or may not work if the strain of flu that comes through is not the one that everybody expects and is protected for in that vaccine. But now the NIH testing this thing on a small group of human patients, and they are looking to see, does it protect against all six of the most common flu viruses? And there is good evidence that it does. So far, using mice and ferrets, they found that if you do two doses of this experimental vaccine, 100% effective against six different strains of the flu. Now, this uh, vaccine is they're testing it both as a nasal spray and the typical injection. Uh, and they're going to find out if two doses are going to be enough to protect all these 100 test subjects, all these 100 volunteers from the flu in general. That would be a big deal because the flu really is a bigger problem than many people realize. It does kill thousands of people every year, many of them older and vulnerable. So, interesting to see that we may have a universal flu vaccine, not too distant future. 
Big concern right now, many people talking about monkeypox. Have you heard of this? Uh, over in Europe, there are 4,500 cases, about 460 cases so far in the United States. Three of those cases identified here in Indiana. Lots of talk about it. I don't sense this as being a huge threat, certainly not on the order of COVID, but you know there are people concerned about it. So I checked in with the Mayo Clinic and talked to Richard Kennedy. He's the co-director of their vaccine research group and said, hey, just give us the bottom line. Where are we at? What do we need to know about monkeypox? Once you're exposed and get infected, there's a there's a an incubation period. It can be anywhere from about two days to about 17, 21 days. For, for most people, it's about two weeks. You don't have any symptoms and the virus is slowly growing in your body. And then once symptoms start, they're they're pretty nonspecific. It's it's several days, two to three days of a fever, headache, muscle aches. You may have swollen lymph nodes. And then the rash starts. The rash doesn't always start in everybody, and the severity of the rash can can differ and vary widely. But uh, it's mostly uh, on the face, arms, legs, the palms of your uh, hands, the soles of your feet. It can be in your mouth. And, and the blisters look like either small pimples or blisters. They start out pretty flat, then they, they get a little bigger. They're hard, almost round bumps. They fill with a liquid, and then uh, they sort of crust over, they scab over, and then those scabs fall off, often leaving scars. That whole process takes three to four weeks. You are infectious from about the time you show symptoms, start having symptoms, till those blisters and, and scabs fall off and heal up. The virus is transmitted through direct contact with uh, someone who's infected with the infected skin or with blood or body fluids. You can also catch the disease from contaminated items like clothing, bed sheets, towels, uh, dishes and utensils. Um, you can get it from animals through scratches and bites, but that's typically usually a problem just in, in Africa where the animals have the virus. They haven't seen any of the animals outside the uh, Western or Central Africa with it. That would be a big concern is that eventually the virus will get into an animal population and then we'll have sort of the opportunity for repeat exposures outside of Africa. So uh, nothing too threatening there to hear about, but uh, the, the concern is if this virus continues to spread, uh, the monkeypox virus spreads more widely, it may be difficult to stop because of our own human behavior. You have to isolate for three weeks at home after you are diagnosed. And there are a lot of people thinking, well, come on, it's not that serious. People are not going to take it all that seriously. And are people really going to lock themselves away for three weeks to avoid the spread? Mm, probably not. So that is the potential that some people are concerned about. What they're looking at here is the process of called ring vaccination. So the idea idea is if someone you know comes down with monkeypox, everybody in their immediate contact will be vaccinated because there are a couple of vaccines available and they are effective. And then uh, one step removed, everybody those people have contact with will be vaccinated. And then everybody those people will have contact with are going to try to vaccinate. So you're going to have three rings of vaccination around every one of these cases. And that's why they think they're going to be able to entrap it and keep it from spreading. So far, 
although not a sexually transmitted disease, just through you know the accidents of behavior. So far, most of the exposures have been in men who are gay, and uh, they don't really know why that is happening, other than they think there was some exchange of, of contact in Europe, and then some of those folks came here and spread the, the virus as they were taking part in gay pride celebrations. So, again, not a sexually transmitted disease, but that's the behavior that the research are seeing so far. So now you know what you need to know about monkeypox. Not a huge threat. Let's hope it doesn't become more serious. Here is something that I think many people, especially this morning, are going to be happy to hear about, and that is a new study says if you drink several cups of coffee and tea each day, you are reducing your risk of stroke and dementia. So, more good news about all of this. They are thinking now that after taking a look at 400,000 adults in the UK, they followed them for 14 years and and they studied and asked, okay, how much coffee, how much tea are you drinking? And they found that, yeah, if you have two to three cups of coffee, three to five cups of tea, or a combination of four to six cups during a day each week, you have a lower risk of stroke and dementia compared to people who drank none at all or even less. So, this was a pretty significant drop. So, you can have a a reduction of risk of 32% for stroke and 28% for dementia. So, that's significant. And why is this happening? Well, it's not likely to be the caffeine. They think it's more the antioxidant, the phenol components in coffee and tea that make up the difference. So, there's some happy news if, like me, you love coffee and drink several cups a day. We might actually be doing our brains a favor. There is a study underway that you may want to get involved in if you are concerned about Alzheimer's in your family. They are recruiting for a study to try and get ahead of it and prevent the development of the disease. We're going to learn more about that as we come back and take a look at what's called the AHEAD study. And that is coming up here on the Health Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live, where health information is free and the stethoscope is never cold. We're here to answer your questions at 447-1190. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Dementia and Alzheimer's, something we've talked about often on the program because, frankly, we simply are not prepared for what is coming at us. The wave of Alzheimer's and dementia that America is going to face as all of us baby boomers age, it's going to be a giant problem in the next 20 years. Studies say there are just not enough memory care centers to house us all. No one wants to put their families through the financial and emotional strain of caring for a dementia patient. So it's something we need to be paying attention to. And And that's why I want you to know about something that I first heard on the Pat Miller Show here on WoWo. It's called the AHEAD Study. It's a clinical trial recruiting patients to see whether a particular treatment, a monoclonal antibody that's under investigation, can stop or slow down the earliest stages of Alzheimer's. 20 years before the symptoms really get serious and you begin to have the problem. So that's a big deal. Pat talked with Dr. Josh Grill about this study and why they want people who are age 55 or older at risk for Alzheimer's to enroll and have a blood test and search for those who have high levels of amyloid deposits long before they begin to form in your brain at a level that causes the problem. Yeah, so, so that's the idea exactly uh, for, for the AHEAD study. So the AHEAD study is a new 
NIH-funded study that's happening around the country, and it's part of our effort as a field to try to find solutions for Alzheimer's disease. And many people in the field believe that um, the most effective treatments are going to be ones that start very, very early in disease, even before the memory problems begin. And so the AHEAD study is a national study enrolling people age 55 to 80 who have no memory problems per se. They can be concerned about their memory problems, but they can't have a diagnosis of cognitive impairment. And in particular, we're looking for people who um, are at increased risk to develop memory problems because of Alzheimer's disease. And we assess that by doing a blood test and a brain scan. In the brain of a person with Alzheimer's disease, we know that certain changes occur, in particular accumulation of an abnormal protein that we call amyloid. And we can measure with these blood tests and brain scans to see if amyloid buildup may have begun in a person's brain. And those are the people, people who don't have cognitive problems but do have amyloid building up in the brain, that we want to enroll in the AHEAD study because we're testing a very exciting, promising, and admittedly aggressive treatment that can lower levels of amyloid in the brain to see if lowering amyloid, maybe even clearing amyloid from the brain before the memory problems begin is enough to delay or even prevent the onset of memory problems from occurring. A a, a treatment that you just mentioned as aggressive. Aggressive in what way? Well, these are drugs that um, are infused into the bloodstream. Uh, They're not pills that a person takes. And, you know, we've never had drugs that could do this, drugs that in people with Alzheimer's disease, dementia, can actually lower the plaques, the amyloid plaques in the brain. And Mm -hmm. so it's aggressive to go in even before the memory problems begin and try to lower plaques before they have uh, the impact that we think that they do. So we're very excited about this study. Um, We're excited about being more aggressive because the disease we study is a very big deal to our nation. So we hope that people from all backgrounds will visit our website at aheadstudy.org and learn more about this study. Watch some videos. um, Take a quiz to see if you might be right for this study. Uh, And look at the sites. There are sites in Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, St. Louis. The the hope is that um, wherever folks in your audience are, if they're interested in the AHEAD study, there's a place close to them where, where they could participate. And I think, you know, another thing I want to say is that, you know, we know that these studies aren't for everybody. Um, not everybody wants to know if they're at increased risk for Alzheimer's disease someday, but I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And I think that a strategy people might take is I want to go get those tests because if I am at increased risk, then I want to be in the study. Yeah. I want access to this treatment. I want access to the experts who are doing the study. I want to be able to ask other questions and make sure that I'm getting the best care possible. Uh, I see a lot of benefit to being in studies like the AHEAD study. And so we hope people will take a look at that website, aheadstudy.org, and learn more about it 
and see if it might be right for them. Right. And folks, you can go there to aheadstudy.org, and you'll find out that there is a location in Indianapolis, but also there are locations in and around the Chicago area, which for some of us might actually be closer, and also over the border in Ohio, uh, there are some locations where you might be able to go. Uh, because if, if somebody's interested in this doctor, and if they have a real concern about themselves or a loved one, you know, a two-hour drive once in a while is not that big of an issue. Yeah, and we are working on ways to make it as easy for people to join us in this fight as possible. Um, We try to provide compensation. We definitely don't want people spending money to be in trials like this, because when you join a trial like this, you're, you're not just a community member or a patient. You're the most important member of our research team. Final question. Let's say somebody is 72 and the family is starting to say, okay, you're really starting to miss a lot of things. Obviously, there's something going wrong. Is that worth them getting into the study? Can they perhaps try to stop the growth of the memory loss, or could they maybe even regain a little bit of, of their brain activity? Yeah, we think this study is in particularly uh, good for people who, who have a family history of Alzheimer's disease, who are beginning to be worried about memory problems. You know, if your memory problems are significant enough that they're affecting your life, yeah. you can't you know, perform at your job or in your volunteering, then probably what you want to do is seek out a, a diagnosis, a workup from a skilled clinician like a neurologist, a geriatric psychiatrist, a geriatrician. Some primary care docs are very good at this, but not all of them. Um, but if your memory problems or if your loved one's memory problems have reached a point where they're very noticeable and they're impacting your life, then then the AHEAD study may not be right for you because we're looking for people who don't have memory problems but are worried about them. Okay, so that is Dr. Josh Grill. And again, the study they're talking about is called the AHEAD study. And you can find out more at aheadstudy.org. So you're going to be required to make a four-year commitment to take part in this study. And they're going to be in-person and remote telephone kind of things as they check in with you every two to four weeks. Um, you, you're going to be asked a lot of things about, they're going to test you for memory and thinking ability. They're going to test emotional and sort of psychological conditions, how well you're able to carry out everyday activities. Some blood tests are going to be involved and uh, a PET scan. So what they're going to do is scan your brain. They're looking for this accumulation of these beta amyloid plaques that are associated that tend to show up in Alzheimer's patients. They don't know whether the plaques are causative or part of the brain's efforts to try and protect itself. So they just associate the amyloid plaque with Alzheimer's disease. So the idea here is to kind of go through all of those variables and then test whether or not a a drug that is now in investigation is is effective. Can it remove this amyloid plaque, and does that make a difference? That's the whole idea. This is a monoclonal antibody designed to attack the proteins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You'll learn all that in the study. But it's very interesting, and I think, you know, it's a big challenge in medicine. Uh, these You hear about clinical trials all the time, often in cancer, other drugs as well. And they have a real problem recruiting people to participate because, as you just heard, you know, there are some rather significant commitments you have to make to be able to participate in these studies. About 25 to 30 percent of studies that are planned never get off the ground because 
They just can't recruit enough people. So if you're interested in this one, it is a significant study. It is a big problem that we're all going to face. And I hope you'll at least visit the website, take a look and decide, is this anything that might be right for me? And and walk forward in that step. I think Pat Miller is going to, to uh, engage this study and see if he qualifies and can participate. And I'll be real eager to follow his progress. So once again, that is the AHEAD study at aheadstudy.org. Encourage you to take a look and just decide, might it be right for you? Awfully glad you were here this week. I'll be back next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Hope you are, too, for another edition of the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Remember, you can always catch the show as a podcast and all the major services, or hit up the website, healthcall.live. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Health Call Live. Watch a recording of today's program on the Health Call Facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live. Drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for another edition of Health Call Live on WoWo 1190 a.m. and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.